Well, this morning we're going to have a little, little morning of testimonies. I'm not going to teach. Um, what have you got for? One, I'm going to interview Karen, and she's going to share her story. But before we do that, I've got three testimonies of beautiful ashes that I want to share with you. So, two people can't be here, so I'm going to read them. But I just felt like it was good to share the fruit of some of the things we've been talking about and doing and what God's been doing. Um, so, the first one's this one from, from Hannah. Um, recently, I had two very dark and difficult weeks after having had a flashback to some past trauma. I was feeling very low and overwhelmed with it all. And she, was, um, she wasn't she was here when Paul gave the talk on beauty for ashes, but uh, the Tuesday afterwards she went for a walk. So my, she's got Micah, a little 14-month-old, and she's got Arielle and her husband Paul. But she was going for a walk with Micah whilst Micah was napping, listening to it. And when she got back home, she said, well, I'm just going to do it. So she knelt down on the floor, did her best to give my ashes to Jesus. Well, Micah was crying and trying to climb all over me. I love that part. You see, so often we want to wait for the perfect moment. But she just knew, if I just follow this instruction, even with my 14-month-old trying to climb all over me, maybe God might do something. It was far from perfect. I didn't feel anything change in that moment. But I held on to what was said during that service. When we bring our ashes to Jesus, he always gives us an exchange. That night I went to bed and slept well for the first time in those two weeks. And by Wednesday, I felt completely different. All the darkness of the two weeks had completely lifted. It's beautiful, isn't it? Absolutely beautiful. So thank you, Hannah, for sharing that. Thank you, Jesus. Um, am I doing it or are you doing it? You're doing it great. I didn't know whether you wanted me to read it or not, but it's there if you want. Um, yeah, so um, I've had quite a tough few years with different things, um, and uh, it's often felt impossible to see past the feelings that I've been feeling, <laughs> um, being quite overwhelmed and just to move past that pain um, it has been quite hard and my mind's often been racing and feeling quite out of control and quite bad anxiety. About five weeks ago I came to church and those familiar feelings started building up again. I was stood at the back and started having those racing thoughts and anxiety started building. I was like, not again. <laughs> um, my mind was really chaotic. But as we started our worship time, I really felt like I just needed to surrender my mind and um, just to worship him despite, in spite of what I was feeling. And as I did this, I saw this flashback of my dad and um, when he was alive, he used to sit with me at bedtime and pray and that verse from Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and gracious to you, Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. But it was that line in particular about make his face shine upon you. And it um, kept coming to me over and over again. Um, and as I came to sit down, Paul was sharing that week and I just really felt that God was like, you need to look up, look up at the sun to let his face shine upon you. Um, 
And as Paul was talking, I didn't really take much in, sorry, <laughs> I don't know what was happening, but um, it was kind of like I kept having to choose to let his face shine upon me. Um, and at first I did this, I started feeling uh, quite a lot of pain and shame about different things and fear because I was unsure with what I could actually cope with. A lot of the time, the last couple of years, I've felt like I needed people to be with me in it. Um, and it was the anxiety, it was trying to pull me away um, and make me want to look down, look away. But I just heard God telling me just to sit with him and let myself feel it, to actually allow myself to feel it. Um, and as I started to do that, it was like just waves just started hit me, just not like in the past where it's felt really overwhelming and felt like it was crashing, <laughs> I was drowning in it. It was just really gentle, like a tide wave, just really gentle throughout the whole service. Um, and then I remembered, it's like what Adam's been saying about imagining being with Jesus. Um, and I was just sat over there, but I could just physically see Jesus hold my hands in it. Um, and it was like meeting him face to face, inviting him into that place of pain. Um, and uh, just... Um, yeah inviting him into those deeper places of pain and grief but just to really experience that beauty of his healing it really was like the most intimate time I've had with him um but I had a deep knowing that I was safe and a lot of times when if you've ever experienced anything like anxiety or working through past trauma you just feel so unsafe in it but I'm learning more and more that he is my safe place. And even though like, I was in a room full of people, it was just the most, like I said, it was the most intimate time. It felt like it was just me and him meeting. And from that morning, everything's felt different. <laughs> um, I've still faced moments of dealing with pain and having to give my ashes to him, moments of feeling quite anxious about things. But there's a difference in that depth of security now. That I know that I can meet Jesus anytime, anywhere. That he's always with me and he's always wanting to look face to face and have those intimate moments with him. Um, I didn't write this down, but this week at Cap, I work at CAP and we had this women's network meeting. And um, we had a guest speaker and she was talking about meeting God face to face. And I was like, this is really strange. <laughs> Um, and she even quoted the verse from Numbers that I mentioned at the beginning. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm listening, God, I'm listening. Um, and she was talking about how, you know, when we meet face to face, we just have a pe with people that we know, and there's a smile, and, and it's like an intimate joy, like there's a joy and delight, and that's how it is with God. Um, and I was thinking about, because I was looking after Leah at the back a couple of weeks ago, and um, as soon as she clocked onto my face, her whole face just lit up. And it was this pure delight. And I feel like that's what God looks like when he's looking at us. Like when we have those moments. Um, and um, those moments of just connected with him. It's that pure delight. We can be like that. We can be a child to him. Um, and that's how it is. It's just that. And that's how I felt afterwards. It's like that inner joy. It doesn't mean it's just... I'm happy all the time, but there's that deeper security of joy um, that I, I found in him. So, yeah, that's what to me too. Thanks, Rachel.
want you to read one from um, from Brooks or Brooke and uh, Luke, of course. They had a little Evelyn uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but this is Brooke's testimony through the pregnancy and the birth that she was hoping to be in, but she's full of cold, bless her. Uh, but she said she'd like me to read it out. Uh, she says, I was very ill throughout the whole pregnancy and suffered severe sickness and migraines for the first few months. Alongside the physical suffering, we then find out we were carrying twins, but only one had survived. I was carrying life and death. The coexistence of grief and joy seemed impossible to navigate, especially as the joy carried guilt. But God brought peace and understanding throughout. He taught me to hold life and death simultaneously, and I developed a whole new understanding of the cross. Life coming from death, beauty amidst ashes. And after a Sunday evening at church and some prompting from joy, I chose to meet Jesus in my womb. I felt strange at first, but then I saw Jesus washing my baby, cleansing it from head to toe. Although beautiful, I was confused and asked Jesus why he was paying no attention to my deceased baby. Jesus simply replied and said, they're already with me in heaven. This flesh is simply that, only flesh. It seems so matter of fact, and it's something I had already concluded, but this was the confirmation I needed. Jesus was caring for the baby I still carried. The twin was already with him in heaven. We decided to name the twin Eden to reflect the fact they never entered the fallen world. Evelyn's counterpart will always be with her on the other side of eternity, a reflection of her perfect self. My pregnancy came with a multitude of complications and the birth was no different. I had planned for a natural birth with minimal intervention. That was important due to my medical history and the potential relapse of other conditions. However, this wasn't to be as there were many complications that increased the risk to myself and Evelyn. As a result, after eight hours of labor, we had to resort to a C-section. Although the run-up to this was very traumatic and undesired, I found comfort in this decision as father was clearly present throughout. The obstetrician performing the section was a Christian and had shared with us after hearing our worship playlist in the delivery room. This made the decision to go to theatre much easier as I felt safe in her hands and knew God had sent her for that very moment. When we went through to theatre, we continued to play the worship music and the obstetrician sang along to the worship as she delivered our beautiful daughter. The song playing at the time of her delivery was Send Me. This now serves as a constant reminder that every child is sent to earth by God for a purpose. Evelyn came into the world with a reminder that she was sent here by God. Amongst the disappointment, there is gratitude and a revelation of healing I would not have had in any other circumstances. Despite the many interventions I had to have, I did not relapse and other medical conditions remain in remission. It was predicted my seizures would return and there was a high risk of I would have flashbacks. None of these have happened. Although I am disappointed not to have had a natural birth as planned, I'm overwhelmingly thankful that Evelyn was delivered safely by a God-loving woman to the sound of worship. God was present, and that is more than enough. Jesus suffered to bring life, and I now have a deeper understanding of that. As mothers, we suffer to bring life. No one understands that like Jesus himself. And the absolute joy we experience in our children is simply a fraction of how he feels towards us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I know 
I know there's other testimonies we could share that are full of, full of things like that. But that's what God's doing right now. That's what's happening. That's where it's at. That's what's possible. And all you've got to do is just give yourself those moments and times to be present and to be with him. Okay, so Karen, do you want to come? So just while, um, well, actually, no. I don't know why I always sit on right when I interview people. So. It's gone well so far. Um, so, some people find a church and end up finding a home. Other people get sent for their sake and the church's sake. And, and one of the reasons that I'm interviewing Karen is that Faye and I, it's clear to us that Faye, Karen is somebody who's been sent by Jesus to be with us for her sake and ours. So she can benefit from us and we can benefit from her, which is true of everybody, but the story is quite unique. Um, and it's very special, I suppose I'd say. Um, so I'm going to allow her to unfold a journey that starts back in 2016. Uh, and it's basically a five-year journey from her native Switzerland to Sunny Shipley, which must be a God thing, because I've been to Switzerland and I live in Shipley. <laughs> and although the people are beautiful in Shipley, the scenery is a little bit nicer in Switzerland. But it doesn't cost me 80 quid for a McDonald's and my family, like it did when I was in Switzerland. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but Karen's got this beautiful connection with Jesus and her journeys involve lots of faith steps and it's a story really of the movement of the Spirit of God. So I want you to listen, and I know we say this a lot at the moment, but I want you, if you listen with your mind, it'll just sound weird. But I want you to listen with your spirit and connect with your spirit. Because um, as we do that, I think you'll catch something beautiful of God in it. So... 1st of January, 2016. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, well, first I'd like to add to what you just said, you know, that it, if we listen with our mind, it sounds weird. And, you know, I'm officially a weirdo. <laughs> but I can explain it <laughs> because I'm not of this world. So... If you listen to that part that's not of this world, we connect. Um, on the 1st of January in 2016, um, I have been reading a book, Born to Create, which was about creativity and art and how God uses that to touch people, to heal people and restore. And um, there was that question um, and that you know, suggestion to ask God what na nation he wants us to inherit. So I asked that question. <laughs> just, you know, I didn't really expect an answer. It was just there. And so I asked him, what, what nation do you want me to inherit? I didn't even understand the question. But I heard <laughs> clear as a bell, England. And that's how the whole journey started. So that day was, you know, it ended up with him telling me to bring a painting to Adrian Plass. 
on the 2nd of February at 2 o'clock, which was like, okay. So I thought I'm either, you know, that's the beginning of insanity, or it's God. There were, there were just those two options, really. And how do I find out? Well, <laughs> I mean, I just do it and, and then see what happens. So, yeah, that's what I did. And because it, um, I had to go to Adrian Plass, you know, that author you might have heard of. Another weirdo. <laughs> um, that's what brought me to the northeast of England. Okay, so you found out his address, drew him a pin in, knocked on his door at 2 o'clock on the 2nd of February, and he said, come in. There we yeah. go. <laughs> and that was the start of how she first came to England. This is why you have to listen with your spirit. So that was that was the start of your journey out of your comfort zone. Was that that was this was not a normal thing for you, presumably no. pre twenty sixteen. This no. was this no. was brand new, out yeah. of your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's been uh, one of the things he's always been doing. So since then it's been seven years now. Um I think about sixteen trips to England. And each time was out of my comfort zone. So every time when I thought, okay, I'm I'm getting comfortable in this now, you know, I've got the base here, I know how things go, at least something would happen that was just way out there. So it was like he was constantly stretching me. Okay. So spring 2016, uh, when we talked, you said it was like you had this acceleration of oh yeah. God doing <laughs> things in you. Yeah. Uh, two months of daily encounters with God. Mm. What were the, tell us just a little bit about that and what you learned, what keys were in that? Well, um, it was seamlessly after my second visit when I got back to Switzerland. Um, it just happened, those, you know, in the morning I would get up go to the other room, lay on the floor because I couldn't stand. And he would come and just do whatever he wanted to do. And it was way out of my <laughs> comfort zone <laughs> again. <laughs> and also, I didn't have theology for what I was experiencing. Like, is that in the Bible? <laughs> is that okay? Is that, you know, like, or is it like, again, you know, like, I'm, I'm just a bit... <laughs> so, um... The first few weeks, I was just crying a lot. And I um, I saw him doing kind of a surgery. So I've been experiencing a lot of healing. And I didn't understand everything. I just, one thing I've learned was I don't need to understand it. Because I, I like to understand, you know, just to, because I like to get it right. So I had to let go of that and just trust. It's kind of a. It's kind of a control, you know, wanting to understand. So I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm happy to just know it's God, and then it's okay. I don't need to understand right now. He might explain later. But what um, was, uh, you know, that healing process of things I've been weeping, like you know, I had those white lines under my eyes of salt. Uh, and it was very exhausting 
it was two months of um, one day he told me it's a metamorphosis. So I thought, so, oh, okay. <laughs> it was like maybe four or five years within two months. I lost more than 15 kilograms of weight. It was really intense <laughs> on every level. <laughs> um, the first thing I've encountered, because he was pulling me to that place of face-to-face -face and into intimacy. So the first thing I faced was a religious spirit going, um, who do you think you are? Because Jesus started teaching me showing me things. And the way he taught me was always, um, he taught my spirit, so I would have encounters, experiences, or he would take me to places. And after that, he would explain it to my mind by quoting scripture. And those scriptures were never, never. I mean, I knew them before. I just didn't knew that he meant it literally. <laughs> like, you know, he's, uh, we are one, like, I'm in him, and he's in me. We are one. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I had to, because there wasn't, I didn't have a coach. There was no one I could talk to because people were just a bit overwhelmed <laughs> with it. <laughs> so, I was left with Holy Spirit, which is a really good thing. It just takes you deep very quickly, <laughs> and you get dependent on him and get to know him. So, um, what I've learned was, because of that fear of getting it wrong, and I think that's something many of us face in this time where, I mean, this is a time of encounters, like heaven breaking into our realm, and things happen, and we just go, so, oh, is that, you know, it's out of our comfort zone. <laughs> that's where we grow. So, Fear keeps holding us back because we are afraid of getting it wrong, getting deceived, and, you know, the enemy. But he's, he's not that big, really. So at some point I had to decide, okay, do I believe that the enemy is that big, that he's bigger and greater to um, deceive me than Father is to keep me and protect me and lead me? And even get me back on course if I end up in a you know in a wrong place, because he's 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 not so he's not so stressed about us getting things wrong. He just goes, okay, let's try again. <laughs> so, and once I decided, oh no, I think Father is much more capable to keep me and do that and watch over me and actually guide me because he knows my heart and I want him. So. And once I, I made that decision and decided to believe that, things just lifted and it got much easier. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> we, we spent like four hours talking about this story for Ian and Karen together. We're going to try and get it down to 30 minutes. So yeah, well, that, those that, four, that, hours uh, were, four hours were just as Yeah, as I know, <laughs> I know. They were not even at all, so <laughs> I know. Um, okay, so you're, you're learning about these keys. Jesus is doing all sorts of things in you. You're flowing in it. Um, you you end up with like a, a a base in Bishop Auckland up in the northeast. Yeah, that was the first, um, you know, my first visit. After I visited Adrian Plus, I thought, well, whatever inheriting a nation means, it means maybe a bit more than a visit. 
you know, meeting a person. So I, I looked at the map the next day and just asked her where next. And I felt drawn to that place, Bishop Auckland. Had no clue about it, never <laughs> heard about it. So it was a 20 minutes drive from my hotel. And um, yeah, there, I mean, <laughs> we don't have time no, to actually share all, all, yeah, how I found myself there meeting people. There's a lot going on up there. God is doing a lot, transform, transforming that area. Um, he sent people there who, who do that. It's a big thing going on. It surprises me that many English people have, n have no idea about that, what's happening up there. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, wow. so I got, in, I got connected to lots of people up there. And that was for many years my, my base, my first one. And I think you said you, that was really key in learning to follow the flow of Jesus mm. without needing to understand it. Yeah. I mean, each time when I came over, you know, I, I really like to know where I'm going to, when, and what happens. <laughs> like, um, so I used to plan my journey with, uh, you know, flight, trains, renting a car, where I would stay, and I'd like to know that in advance, of course. And maybe, and by time, because I got to know people, um, I had some appointments I knew about, I knew of. And then just going with the flow of, okay, I just kept encountering and meeting other people. So it, it just, yeah, you just need to see. It's really difficult to explain, you know. It's like, I mean, Jesus said it's... Um, we need to become like the wind. So how do you explain the wind? <laughs> you actually can't, you can't really tell um, what it does. You just see the effect of it. Oh, the, that tree moves. But you can't really explain how it works or what happens and how you copy it. So... The most important thing, I think, to live like that is going without any agenda. If you've got an agenda, then you set your mind on something, and then you're thinking really small. <laughs> because my mind is really small. And if you just go and go, okay, let's see what happens. Like, <laughs> let's see what happens. Um, then things happen and he leads and you you just you find yourself in places or situations you just you have you really can't explain how you got there it just happened <laughs> so I found myself with people I naturally wouldn't get in contact with just because of their position of their job of their you know yeah okay so you had this base in Bishop Auckland. There was also some a group of people in Reading, Reading wasn't there? Yeah, were second with. base. And you had these, I think you said 16 trips. You were in Lindisfarne, Southport, Leicester, Bristol. But then th this intrigues me. You said, God connects me with many people, but the land is sometimes more receptive than people. Mm. What, yeah. what does that mean? Well, that means um, because I was going through that, massive metamorphosis it's it's really like a, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly and 
I feel like that butterfly can't remember how the caterpillar used to think. It's like a completely different mindset. You, you even feed, you even eat different things. And you move in a different realm. It's like you're just not the same. So it's... Um, and I mean, we all start off as caterpillars. That's not a bad thing. We're just meant to become butterflies. <laughs> so... Um, Fear and religion keeps us in that place of the caterpillar. So being different and not really realizing that I'm different only when I meet people and talk to people and realize, oh, it's not normal for them to think like that. So, oh, it's a bit um, puzzling and sometimes confusing because I... I've been expecting, I mean, if it's your normal, then uh, you think that's normal. Yeah. So I've met a lot of people, I mean, church people and a lot of people in leadership. And I've, I've experienced that it's, it can be really difficult for people to let go of the old. You know, you can, you can be an expert of the old or... Uh, um, what's the word? A novice, yeah, of the new. But if you are someone or somebody of the old, it's really difficult to become a nobody in the new because you've got a name, you've got a platform, you've got, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. You think that's it, but actually it's not. So, and because people, uh, Jesus has taught me to he's been explaining to me the cross what it means about he, he taught me about my identity and our identity what who we are and that's all to do with rest and that place of rest and being in that place and just resting like literally like resting and it is finished and it's a it's an actual place sitting next to Jesus on the throne as the bride. It's not um, theology, you know, like terms, words or something. The spirit realm has a lot of layers and actual places. And our spirit knows because our spirit is there all the time. That's our spirit's normal. So it was difficult for particularly for people who, who are in leadership, to receive, be at rest. You know, that message of, come on, be at rest. Oh, no, I need to do this, I need to, and all the programs and all the stuff we need to do to keep the whole thing going. And then was the pandemic. But actually that message of Jesus calling us to sit at his feet, that was actually preparing us for the pandemic, for those who were able to hear and so, because um, I've met a lot of people that were so tied up in um, their, what it used to be, um, I went for a lot of walks, so I just walked the land. And because of um, 
what I carry and I can't really explain it, but it's all it's light, it's also frequency. Um just releasing that into the land, speaking over the land, or just having a sound and releasing it over the land. It just shifts things back into what they were meant to be. And then Jesus was teaching me, he started teaching me about angels and the cloud of witnesses and to be with them and to just to accept they're <laughs> real. And, you know, like he just, he never messed with my theology. He never discussed with me things. He just showed me what's true. And then I went, oh, okay. And I changed my mind. <laughs> It's really simple. <laughs> it just becomes so childlike because that thing is so big. You have to be childlike. Yeah. <laughs> become, and yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, so 2019, God puts Bradford on your map. Mm. And summer 2020 is your first time in Shipley. You found yeah. yourself on Bailden Moor. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um, it was interesting because I, I didn't really have a network here or people. There was just one contact. And um, the first on the first day I came here, I went to Bailden Moor. And once I got outside of Bailden and just, you know, the land, saw the landscape, I felt my spirit connecting with the land, like, you know, like when you put the cloth on, like just slotting in to the land felt really weird. I've never experienced that before. I just thought so. I mean, I, I, I can tell the day and the time when that happened. So I thought, so, okay. And there's a lot of things I, I experienced. I just go, okay, I don't understand it. Well, I put it on the shelf <laughs> somewhere. And uh, wait, I might understand at some point. And you didn't know at the time, did you? But that contact was actually related to Derek Clark. Yeah. yeah. It's just amazing, isn't it? He used to be. He's with Jesus now, but he yeah. was an elder here for many years, actually instrumental in bringing Paul from Norway over here to start Charlestown. And the one contact she has in Shipley is a member of Derek's family. Um, so then I'm just conscious of... So <laughs> then you... Uh, you go west, you go to Cumbria for six days, you realise you've now gone north, south, east and west, you've kind of, you've covered the land as it were, and God says, clear your art studio. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, once I realised I've covered the land and like there's a new chapter, and I didn't know what that means, was trying to understand, I thought, well, to settle, that would be the next logical thing. So I was trying to understand, what does that mean spiritually? <laughs> like you settle in a place spiritually. <laughs> because, I, yeah, I was not thinking about moving at all. Um, your question again. Uh, well, I was just, you. God tells you to leave your to art studio, yeah, leave yeah, institutional exactly. church. Well, my whole journey, because it was, it was a, it's been a lonely journey because I, I journeyed on my own 
because then people couldn't understand. So I journeyed on my own with Holy Spirit, and which meant that also my trips to England they were very tiring. So each time I got back, I was so exhausted. So the time in Switzerland I used to recover and prepare for the next trip, and it was like my heart stayed over, so I was homesick to England. But I was in Switzerland, and it was like living two different lives, parallel, really weird. And okay, so uh, you'd lost pretty much all your friends. Yeah. In Switzerland, because they didn't understand you. Yeah, exactly. That was, uh, I was kind of, I mean, when you look back, you understand things, don't you? It's easier to understand things mm-hmm. uh, back when you look back at your life. So he's been moving me out of my old, without telling me or asking for permission. <laughs> I just did it. It just happened. And then he told me to clear the art studio. He told me to leave the church, but not just that church, you know, that local church, but institutional church um, with all the structures and religion. So I thought, okay. So I left a lot and I found myself thinking, well, I lost everything now. All that's left is my home, you know, my house and my marriage. That was a, um, end of two th- well autumn two thousand twenty, yep. and then at the beginning of twenty one, he sh- he showed me that he's moving me over, and that I'm going to leave, and he showed me reality about my life. Or um, you know, sometimes we live in illusion about things, and we prefer prefer to stay in illusion because it's easier but this is a time where he just shines his light on things so we and we have to face things and process things and go through things like you know beauty for ashes you have to look at your ashes before you get beauty so because he defines what marriage is and that it's about openness and transparency and oneness. So if you don't have that, he showed me, it's not a marriage. And I, I wept for about 10 weeks, almost daily, just grieving and letting go. So I found myself wandering through the house my place, my only first home, just looking at things, letting go, letting go, letting go. And I felt like I had been letting go for the last, well, at that point, five years. So I found myself in a place of, now I've lost everything. There's just nothing left. And then moving over was like, I mean, I can't just come to England and go, Hi, guys, I'm here. (laughs) 
<laughs> it would be nice, but it doesn't work like that. So I had to find a, a job because you need a visa and all that stuff. Yeah. It's really complicated. So I said to God, okay. And it was a process of constantly asking, is that really you? Is that really you? Is that really you? Because I really need to know. That's a big thing. So I'm not just... Um, and I was so scared. And he just kept confirming. And, you know, with each confirmation, I thought, yeah, but you need to tell me again. <laughs> so I planned to come over in summer again in 2021. And I said to God, okay, I go to Reading, I go to Shipley again. And you show me where you plant me. And I have no idea what that's going to look like. I just know as ever, it's about being in the right place at the right time, meeting the right people. And you can't make that happen. So I was super nervous and scared when I came over. So I went to the south first. And there was no door opening, nothing that would, you know, you would know, okay, you keep walking that direction. Then I came up to Shipley and I tried to remind God of the fact that, you know, I mean, down in the south, I've got the whole network of people and I'm going to need help. I need, I will need people to help me because I don't know how to do things the English way. And up in Shipley, I've got that connection with the land, but, you know, no people and I really need people. <laughs> so... I think he heard me and just smiled, but anyway, he was always very relaxed. I wasn't. <laughs> so when I came here, up here in summer, that was in August, on a Friday, I asked him, well, do I have to go to a church? Because, you know, that's how you meet people. <laughs> I need to get out of my hotel room. Which church then? So I looked at Google Maps, put in church, you know, in my area. It's like... Whoa, okay, which one? <laughs> and probably was the second or third website I looked at, which uh, was the CLC. And I saw those terms, um, restore to restore and becoming. And that were my terms, you know, that resonated with me that because that was my journey. So I turned up here that Sunday and it happened to be the Sunday that Paul was teaching, speaking about the sons of God um, emerging, rising, and God transforming people all over the world. And I was, I sat down there and just thought, yeah, exactly, exactly, yes, <laughs> I agree. That's what I've been through, yeah. <laughs> so my spirit was super excited. I just sat there and thought, I found my tribe. I found my tribe. It's like, you know, your tribe is people where you don't have to explain yourself all the time. They just get who you are and get your journey. And it's just normal to, to be with Jesus that way and to move that way. Because that's what following Jesus means. I mean, it's, that's just normal. So you have that morning, you go, okay, I found my tribe, but you're still in a hotel room 
you have no job. <laughs> you don't really know anything else other than, oh, great, now I've found a few people who understand me. What happens next? <laughs> well, I mean, after that meeting, I had to talk to that other weirdo I just met, to Paul. And Anne was there. Another weirdo as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's exactly right. Yes. You mean. I think it's a tribe of weirdos. Maybe we should call it that. that. I, I always remember, I never said I'd live in Shipley because that's where all the weirdos live. <laughs> that was before go. I knew Paul, there before I came. Because everybody I knew who came from Shipley, they were weird. <laughs> now I lead Brilliant. all the weirdos, but there we go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, um, so we met um, for a meal, you know, uh, Paul, Jeff and Anne. And there we... I've learned that um, Creative Dimensions has been looking for someone who would work with creatives and artists for quite a while, just helping people to unfold and becoming who they are in their field. Yes, yeah, so Creative Dimensions, we've not really shared about it, but you remember, Paul, pre-pandemic, we did uh, Creative Dimensions teaching times on a Saturday morning. We did a few through them. So out, out of that... Uh, there was a business started that started in 2019, but never really, obviously, the, the pandemic hit, so it never really got off the ground. But really, that business was a vehicle birthed out of those teaching times to uh, to enable us to get in and out of countries and do what we want to do uh, as a business uh, rather than a religious charity, because sometimes going as a religious charity makes it very difficult to do anything. Going as a business makes it much easier to do things. Um, uh, and I bring the kingdom into every aspect of life to equip, motivate, teach, train, release people. Because the first time we were going to use it was to go to Paraguay. Remember in 2020, there was going to be Sharon and Donna and Nigel and a whole team of people were going to go to Paraguay. But of course, it didn't happen because the, the, the pandemic shut it all down. Um, but yeah, but the heart of that was to do exactly what Kevin shared. Um, so that meant you could now... Uh, get a visa and all that sort of stuff. That was a, a way to do it. Yeah. So, but then you had to obviously move from beautiful Switzerland to even more beautiful Shipley. Um, that must have been a journey, getting used to our wonderful English ways. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, God's really kind. You know, he's been preparing me, me for almost seven years. Um, but still, I mean, it is... Very different. Um, I found a little place up in Eden. Um, it's it's a crazy time actually to do that. You know, from a um, um, from a logical point of view, it's just bonkers. I mean, after Brexit, pandemic, and anyway, Switzerland too. Shipley. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I had to go jump through loads of hoops just to do all the legal stuff, which is just incredible. So I sent in 22 documents just for my visa. I had to do an English test in Switzerland. And of course, pay for it. You pay for everything. Um. And then once I was here, I mean, all those practical things, just like when you start from scratch, you need to buy everything, but you don't know the shops. 
we need to find the shops that sell the things you like, if they do at all. <laughs> so it's just all very time-consuming, takes you a lot of energy, and you know there's the practical level, the emotional level, spiritual level. So and it's all at once, like um, emigrating from Switzerland because there's a big Swiss part to deal with as well, and then. England side and what needs to be done legally and on top of that um, divorce so it was just a lot at the same time but I think that's also a way how God accelerates things he does things parallel and so that they are quicker and shorter so from when he told me that he moves me over to actually arriving here was one and a half years. Okay, so two final, two final questions. What's your passion? Well, it's because um, the, of the way Jesus um, encountered me and how I've been experiencing him. It's my passion for people to encounter him and experiencing here. Because we know a lot, we know enough. But to experience him here and actually realize that he is here and learning how to connect, how to turn inwards and how to just sit and rest. Because that place of rest, that's, that's the place of power and government and it's ultimate warfare, that place of rest. So for me to help people to understand and lead people into an encounter or yeah I just love people see I just love seeing people experiencing Jesus and he does it in such uh, individual ways so you get to when you watch people and listen to people how they experience people you get the whole variety of who Jesus is it's just yeah, beautiful. Okay. And it's it's clear to me from spending time with you that you've, all the things we've been talking about this last year or so, you've, God's been showing you and you've learned it. And I suppose you're still learning it because we never get there. But, but in terms of learning to lay our head on the pillow, to be still and know that he's God, to be at rest. Um, what, what are you yet to learn that you are hoping what do you see in this family that you go, okay, well, I've learned this stuff, but I need to learn this stuff. What do you see in this family that you go, you, because you've got a lot of things that we're just learning, but what have we got that you're still learning? Well, the things I've been learning, I've learned alone, in uh, isolation, so to speak. So, you know, when isolation came up with COVID and that stuff that was like nothing new to me really um, so what I see here is uh, family and it I, I never really had a family so becoming part of a family and of a tribe and learning to be a part of it and give and receive that's really a beautiful thing I, I'd love to learn with you and I'd love you to help me on that journey as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay.
Anything else you wanted to say? Mm. Yeah, maybe one thing, one really important thing. He, I think it's important for all of us because um, during those two months of daily daily encounters, he sh- he not only showed me and taught me things about identity and who I am and truth, um, <coughs> but also about calling and purpose. And one day he told me, you need to think big. So, yeah, anyway, that's a whole other story. But, you know, the things I saw and about <coughs> calling was like, you know, I, my response was just like, God, all of all of the people, you are the one who knows that I'm not qualified. That's just, I'm not qualified. So for a few months, I kept asking him, why me? Why me? I mean, why me? And one day he answered and said, because he said yes. So get over yourself. (laughs) And I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. So I've learned that he's not looking for qualified people at all. Yeah, because we're actually not qualified for that big thing he's doing. It's so much bigger. If we think we can do it, we keep it in our, you know, what our mind is capable of. It's really tiny. So he said, because he said yes. So all that it takes, all he's asking for is yes. And then he adds and he teaches and he sends people and he connects and he sends resources. And he does the thing because actually, you know, he builds his kingdom. Which is a beautiful way of circling back around to the beginning. Because all that I did said yes. We just said yes. And really it's about just learning to say yes. And of course it's about learning to say yes in the small things first. So I found myself the other day, it's never happened to me before, I was sat in a coffee shop and I'm just bringing it down for something that you can do and listen and think about. And I overheard this conversation two tables down. And the Lord said to me, go tell them this. And I'm like, okay. So I thought, I'll just listen to the conversation a little bit longer to make sure I'm not completely off the wall. Anyway, and I, and I thought, no, no, I think, I, think I'm, I think I'm on it. I have no idea who they are. I don't even know the names. And it was just, they were talking about making decisions. It would just give it two weeks. That were all out of sale. Just give it two weeks. And they went, okay, thank you. It's been one and a half years, so two weeks will be all right. And they left. But I'm bringing it down to that because this is a, it's a big story. And I, I, you don't have to say yes to move to another country tomorrow. But just the ability to listen, to say yes the small things eventually it becomes easier to say yes to the big things so just keep listening and just say yes because you're not qualified and you never will be amen, amen. Um, sorry maybe we could add that it's actually not really about obedience because we think obedience is like that big thing and goal something I aim for but there's something bigger which is love. So when you fall in love with Jesus, which is 
encountering him and then you rest in him and you're just so in love with him. And it's like that, you know, he's kissing his bride awake now. So that bridal walk means you actually have only eyes for your bridegroom. You don't obey. Of course you do, but you don't call it obedience. It's just love. And that makes it really easy. So he's simplifying things a lot. And it takes, you know, the antidote to religion is intimacy. So don't try to get rid of religion or religious spirit. Just enjoy intimacy. Because they're so scared that they're happy to leave. <laughs> well, Father, we just want to thank you for Karin. We want to thank you for her journey. We want to thank you for her testimony. We want to thank you for her as a person, Lord. And first of all, we just heave love and blessings and favor and prosperity and good things on her in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for our Lord and for our ability to share the story, Lord, and just follow you. And we pray, Lord, that she might, Lord, in, in the same way she's had these accelerations through these last few years, Lord, that that sense of family and belonging might accelerate in her supernaturally fast, Father. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that as she shared, Father, that I pray, Lord, that those things that you've dropped in our spirits, that right now, Holy Spirit, you just, the seeds that have been sown, Father, that you would just cover them over and water them. Even if with our minds we didn't get much of it, Father, I thank you that our spirits caught it and that you sowed into us this morning through our words in Jesus' name. Amen.